Hello and welcome to season eight of Interdisciplinary, the unofficially named the season of the switch. This season we are exploring uh, code switching in all of its forms and the ways that it shows up and the ways that it might affect our care and our relationships with other human beings. Um, so we are very excited today to continue season eight of Interdisciplinary. And we are also very excited and grateful to be sponsored this season by ABMP. ABMP, Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals, is proud to sponsor the Interdisciplinary Podcast from HealWell. Membership with ABMP offers comprehensive liability insurance, along with meaningful resources and support that make a difference in your career, including free CE and the ABMP Education Center, quick reference apps like 5-Minute Muscles and Pocket Pathology, Pocket Suite Scheduling and Booking Software, and the Inspirational Massage and Bodywork Magazine. Discover why members expect more and get more at abmp.com. So thank you, ABMP, for sponsoring the season of Interdisciplinary. And as always, we are contractually obligated and constitutionally obligated, frankly, to start every episode with a pun. So Corey Rivera. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. So the past, the present, and the future walk into a bar. It was tense. Oh my god. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, continuing oh. with the language puns. Wow. Yes. Um and you hear there also the the groaning and pained voice of today's guest. Um so today's guest, tell us your name, tell us about yourself. Oh, oh okay. Sure, sure. So I'm uh Gabriella Deanda. I am a member of the Healwell community. So I don't have like a ton of, you know, professional things to flaunt or sell or market. I'm just here being me today. Yay. And That's what's, our favorite. Yeah. It's, we love when people show up as themselves. Um, and so, Gary, what, what is your day-to-day job job? My job job? Your Besides job job. Be myself? That's a big one. Jeez. Jeez, Rebecca. I am. <laughs> I am a hospice nurse, so ah, okay. I help uh, I help the people on their way out of yeah. uh, what is um, what is Carrie's favorite saying? Uh, their breakable meat suit. They're they're done with that, so they are inhibiting their their energetic self. Okay, inhabiting. <laughs> okay, excellent. So uh, so we brought you on here today because it, we really wanted to talk to you or have you talk to the people about some conversations you've already had um about like code switching in your life and how this shows up um well i think first of all and this is my feedback in general is i mean especially with in heal well is i feel like we you guys bring up a subject and then i like it when we define it so we make sure we're like all on the same page kind of thing because excellent a lot of times I got to like Google stuff. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, or like, how are you meaning it in this particular way? So, I mean, there's a, you know, I've heard of code switching. So if you could just tell me like what, what you're, what it means to you, what does, what does code switching or what does this topic mean to you? That, uh, that's an excellent question. We had, um, and last week's episode, we have a, had a long conversation about what this meant. Um, oh, 
So I think, uh, Corey, I want you to start with that. Okay. So, Please. so uh, Gabby has not heard last week's episode because it is not technically available yet. Um, so I took some notes um, about like the linguistic definition of code switching and their really broad definition is alteration between two or more language or language varieties in a single conversation. And then it sort of snowballs from there as to like why people do it and in what situations. And there's a ton of reasons why people do it. Um, and our conversation sort of resolved around the idea that like, um, I think of it as a dance between two people, but some people really don't want to dance. And that's when code switching gets um, hurtful, I would say. So you can be put in a situation where you have to code switch and sort of hide pieces of your identity or alter pieces of your identity in order to like be safe or get what you're looking for or make it through the situation. Um, I think that's basically in 500 words or less. Yeah, and I think we also um, started to talk about it as as not just with langu language, but with not just with verbal language, right? But with every way that that you present yourself, um, you know how you how you how you dress, how you position your body, etc. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, um, I, I sort of thought there was a word intersectionality as well, and so yes, for sure, for sure, I could, um, uh, you know, hearing that definition is is good from the linguistic side, but I think like what you just said, Rebecca, like culturally and how you present yourself um, is is how is how I experience it or have experienced it. Um, in my bio, um, I moved I moved from the West, kind of a small town on the West Coast, uh, Southern California to the East Coast. And East Coast culturally is very, very different than um, what I experienced in my little California bubble. Um, you know, mainly, uh, uh, Southern California, my interactions were the people that were around me were um, like my my bubble, people of color, um, Mexican, uh, uh, Asian, um, API, and then like East Coast, it just felt, um, you know, very white to me. And so it seemed like people were, um, had a different culture and different and definitely spoke a different language. And I, I guess it's kind of a joke now, but I, it, it, it didn't feel that way to me. It just felt different was like, as soon as people meet you in the DMV area, they want to know who you are, where you went to school and sort of like where you work, you know, like, whereas in Southern California, it was just sort of like, you know, it's like, nobody assumes that you went to a higher education and it's just sort of like, what do you, what do you do for fun? Like, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying that people aren't interested in that, but that was just sort of my, what I noticed when I was first meeting people on the East coast. Um, so I, I don't know if that's code switching, but it just seemed like the identity and culture was very different. Um, and also moving here, um, I, I came out as, as a lesbian. And so that was also very, you know, I didn't know the language. I didn't know the references. Um, it, it, and that's more like subculture, I guess. But then very much, very much in my job, you know, I had to be very closeted about my identity and, you know, um, I guess talking linguistically, like talking in a professional matter or whatever. Um, and, uh, let's see, I was, I was trying to be an actor too, at some point. So, um, 
I remember when I was auditioning, people would sort of comment on the way I spoke, I guess, is a California accent, which apparently I don't have anymore <laughs> because when I go home, people are like, why are you talking like that? Um, but anyways, I'm sure if I was around people from Southern California, I'm sure as all you do, you know, from Kentucky or, um, I mean, you just slip back into your old ways of talking when you did, when you grew up, you know, and definitely there's like some Spanglish thrown in there. And that's always like hilarious. Um, because as an adult, there are Spanglish words that I didn't know were Spanglish. And then it was like, definitely East Coast. Like, oh, you like what? Oh my God. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's kind of embarrassing, but okay. So when I was a kid, oh man, I'm, geez, you guys. Okay. I'm turning red already. Okay. When I was a kid, uh, you know, I was the youngest of seven and my parents didn't have health insurance. And so my dad, this is how I got into massage therapy. My dad would just sort of fix us. You know, he would use these herbs or like, but, you know, massage body work pretty much. And so <clears throat> the mainstay of fixing stuff was Vicks Vapor Rub. And so I remember as a kid going to like pe people's drug or whatever the, the pharmacy was. And I was like, do you have some Vaparub? Because that's the way my dad said. Oh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> so it's like, where's the Vaparub? And they're like, what? And I'm like, you know, that stuff, you know. So I had to describe it. So it was very embarrassing to know that Vaparub is not a word. It's actually Vicks Vapor Rub. So Make, makes sense to me. <laughs> right, it makes sense to me too. Well, that's that's one of the things that we were talking about in the last episode, that these are words that um, you know. Like, I almost feel like the, the pharmacist or whatever, if they had taken a minute to think about it, they would have known exactly what you were talking mm -hmm. about. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> You can't be the only people that called it that. There's no way. Right. right. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. You know, anyways. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about, too, you had mentioned like subculture and, and, um, and identity. And I'm curious about if you have found a difference in the way you communicate within um, your culture or your like ethnic identity um, on the East Coast versus the West Coast, or if there's a. 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can you tell oh. us more about that? I mean, <clears throat> how can I tell you about this? Um, again, I am making some sweeping generalizations, or maybe they're just like things. This is the way I experience things sort of thing. Um, so, so as I said, I'm the youngest of seven to, to immigrant parents and like coming out to myself and like making amends with like a very Catholic family and with spirituality and all that. So I guess the way I grew up was more like not talking about stuff and like therapy is like for white people. And it's like, you should just, you know, confess to a priest or something. I don't know. That'll make you feel better kind of thing. So I guess in, in talking with my family culturally, it's pretty indirect. It's, it's like when you want to, raise a topic with someone that's very circular it's it's kind of rude to be direct <laughs> and so <laughs> east coast definitely i've become so more direct it's like okay get to the point you know it's like you know whoa cut to the chase cut to the chase what are we talking about here you know and so it's very you know it's like time 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 it's like all right how the meeting let's go snappy snappy snap you know and in southern california it's more like 
you know, you have to get to know each other and like read the room and what's going on and who's here and kind of thing. So, so definitely I, I don't know if I, I switch gears, like if I acknowledge it, but definitely coming back here. Well, yeah. 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 I guess Southern California is like a, people think I'm rude, but just being direct. Yeah. So when you go back, you have to drop the directness. Or a little bit. To. Yeah. I, I find myself like not like sitting back more. It's like, Ooh, let me, let me read the room a bit. Like what's, what's going on. And can I even present what it is that I wanted to say kind of thing, you know, and it's like, Oh, do I really need to see, do I really need to say that kind of thing Yeah. about a situation? Do you find that there are um, like relationships or, or things that you um, miss or have lost by the, the changes um, that you've made based on where you live now? Stuff I've lost. Um, well, I feel uh, probably on an East Coast scale, I'm pretty laid back, like Corey's pretty laid back. Um, and, but like in Southern California, I'm probably not as laid back as I think I am. Um, so in, in that sense, I kind of, I'm in general, I miss that. And just, I don't know if that's as you grow older or whatever, like, it's one of the things I miss about being a massage therapist. I was a massage therapist for 17 years is that, um, I felt like kind of my job as a massage therapist was to help people slow down. And it's like, this is your, this is your quiet, you know, peaceful, like slow down pace. And um, I would, I would sort of prepare before I was giving a massage and certainly kind of take the lead from the person um, that was receiving the massage. And so my, I mean, I'm just going to jump to my current job because I've had mm -hmm. jobs that but certainly my current job I was appalled at how um how that that space is not um it's it's not valued like as a as a job description you know what I mean it's like oh are you a multitasker can you do this can you do that you know and um I was just it made me very sad that people are not paying attention you know because I felt like as a massage therapist I was able to give you know, hundred percent attention. Whereas in, in sort of like my current job track, it's, it's like, how many things can you juggle? And I certainly felt that like talking with my boss, she was not like when I was training and stuff, she didn't, she, I did not have her full intention. I, I knew that she was doing at least three other things while she was training me to do my job, you know? And I, I was just like, oh my God, is this how, you know, is this how you treat like our, our customers, so to speak, you know, and it just, it just made me feel really sad that that's sort of what she felt she needed to do to be a good boss. And, and I kind of wanted to like, not, I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to be that kind of employee. And, and it was, it was like, wow. And and I, and I found myself, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is how they want me to do this job is to juggle all these things and I just it didn't oh man it's so that was a total loss it's like man it's like this is not valued you know to 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 make that space I mean maybe it is valued but they just it's kind of impossible to do it and so um 
so yeah, yeah, I miss, I miss that, um, one-on-one vibe. And maybe that's just everywhere, you know, like you can never go home. If I were to try and get a job in Southern California, I don't know that it would be any different, but I mean, I definitely feel like East coast, maybe all of the U S you know, it's like your, your life is work, you know, you're, you're preparing for work and (laughs) you're at work. And then you got to tie up the things that you didn't do at work when you're at home and you're working, you know, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And the, the way that like the, the dominant paradigm, I guess, can um, change care mm-hmm. and, and change the way that we provide care. Um, yeah. And it, have you found in, in your current job um, places where you have been able to kind of push back? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I sort of switched to a different department mm. kind of thing because that, that during, and during COVID that was, oh, no bueno. That was, oof, that was horrible, 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 horrible. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I switched to like a different, a different department that I am able to not do so much of that prepare to go to work, then go to work and then tie up it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't feel right. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard. I super, super tried to give the one-on-one focus to, to our, 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 our customers as it were um, patients really, but just yesterday, you know, I just replayed a conversation I had um, yesterday when I was taking care of someone and it was just, it was just really busy. I, I had a full house. So I, I was, just back from vacation. And it was just like hit the ground running. I had like seven patients, which is kind of unheard of with the work I do. Cause, um, but anyways, I, I, I replayed a, a conversation with a patient and I was like, Oh shoot. I don't think she was asking me that. I think she was asking me something deeper, you know? And I was just like, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. And I felt really bad afterwards, but, um, you know, stuff that wakes you up when you're trying to fall asleep at night. Like, Oh, Oh, that's what she meant. You know? Um, so yeah, obviously there's always room for improvement, but yes, at least I can, I can set an intention or like say, okay, I'm going to try and do this today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, there's so much, isn't there about like the, the way that we choose to communicate or, you know, choose not choose. We had a whole conversation about whether it's conscious or not. Um, but the way that you would choose to, to listen as well, um, oh, yeah. given a situation, um, that yeah, I think sure. affects, affects everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I to say, uh, I don't, this is a total non segues and done okay. thing, but I just, I just, wanted to share the story. And I, when I was asked to talk about this, I wanted to share because I feel like I've sort of been there before. So I was out in the mall or whatever shopping. Cause whatever. Um, and the person who was helping me was like, you know, talk to me professionally and this and this model and blah, blah, blah. And then I think it was either another customer or maybe a coworker walked by and he totally code switched. Like he, he was like, you know, whatever they, I think they shared like a common culture. So they like said a word or all of a sudden, like his whole, like his tone. I mean, just, it was such a warm, like familiar, like, I don't even remember what he said. 
and it was sort of like, yeah, I see you. Yeah. We connected, you know, kind of like, yo, see, see, see you next time kind of thing. Like very, like, like you're my, you're my person kind of thing, you know, like we have something in common. And then he went back to talking to me and like, you know, very formal speak. And I thought, oh my gosh, I feel like I've done that before, you know? And, um, and, and my comment is just that I felt so, so glad that other people do that. And that, you know, just that you could just feel the, the warmth and the love, you know, between that connection. And, uh, anyways, I, I think that sometimes that's part of code switching is when, you know, you're in this, your work culture or whatever, and then you, you run into or see somebody that reminds you of your, you know, your warm, fuzzy side. And sometimes when you're at work and, you know, those warm fuzzies really help you get through the day. So it was just like, right on, dude, I'm so glad that you, you, you had that little love connection with a fellow human, you know, pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. It's like a moment where you get to be all of yourself. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I, we didn't get to talk about um, when we were making definitions and stuff uh, is that co-switching partly has to do with expressing, what was the phrase, expressing a speaker's attitude toward a listener. And Mm -hmm. if you speak more than one language, then like you can shift into different modes to do that. But if you only speak one language, you're kind of stuck. And the decision that gets made is how formally you decide to speak. Hmm. So within a single language, your formality changes to change your outward attitude, I guess. Hmm. Um, and I I like the idea. <laughs> I, I have also seen people do that where they're like, this is business and I'm doing business. And, oh, hey, there's somebody I know. Hey, man, like this is great. It's lovely to see you. Okay, and now we're back to business. Exactly. <laughs> It's like a little love boost. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, speaking of the speaking more than one language, um, mm-hmm. it, I I am curious about um, as you've talked about the East Coast West Coast differences, and I'm curious about if you what kind of differences you've noticed within um, how to put this. Well, within people who share your ethnic identity, um, and if there's a difference in the way that you communicate, um... you know, it's so interesting. Um, there's not well when I moved here. There's not a ton of Mexicans in the DMV area. I remember uh, uh, Cesar Chavez died in 1993, and I went to like the local Latino church. There's, there's not a soul that they did not know who Cesar Chavez was. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, that was then, but um, I think, I don't know if I consciously sort of like, well, you know, I'm in a whole nother geographical area. I, I'm going to learn other people's cultures too, like, you know, like from El Salvador or from Costa Rica or from Chile or whatever, you know, and it's like, at least we share a same language, if not, you know, it's a different culture but we could still sort of like connect on a, on a sort of language way or like teach me your slang. It's like, I don't know that word. What does that mean? You know? And so, um, gosh, I had a point and it escaped. Uh, so as far as connecting, Oh, I know I was going to say is like, I have run into people at different jobs 
who who view me as white. I mean, like I think this um this coworker was from El Salvador and she's like, "Well, you're pretty much white." And I'm like, "No, I'm not." You know, like how can you say that to me, you know? And she's like, "Well, you don't you don't dress it and you don't talk it." And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it kind of hurt my feelings, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm in scrubs. What do you, what do you want me to, how am I supposed to wear it? You know? Um, So, um, so yeah, I mean, sometimes and being, I mean, I'm the, so all of my brothers and sisters were born in Mexico. So whatever, I'm like the only, the only one who was born in the U S. So it's just sort of like, oh, so I'm the American kind of whatever, you know? And so I think a lot of people, if they needed to be naturalized citizens or whatever, they'll, you know, it's like, they'll share that. It's like, yeah, dude, I mean, you didn't come here when you were seven and had an accent and all the kids were making fun of you, you know? It's like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You know, I I didn't, uh, my brothers and sisters did, you know, and they, you know, I saw them suffer. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's kind of interesting when you, you know you say that uh sharing with another culture because even within my family you know there's different uh experiences of like growing up um in a mexican-american family in you know southern california in the 1960s a lot of shit going down in 1960s y'all um anyways uh so so yeah yeah uh um it's interesting um how how people do see me you know um yeah um, I'm trying to think of how to put this question. Feel free to tell me you, you don't care to answer it. Um, <laughs> but do you feel like that has affected, like with your family, um, your relationship with your siblings versus their relationship with each other? 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, family order and, and cultural, too, because you know, my, my sisters were the first ones to say like, why are you, why do you think you're white? Why are you acting white? Why do you only have white friends? Why do you, you know, it's like, why are you going to therapy? Only white people go to therapy. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And I think, man, I hate to say this, but yeah, probably my parents, I was probably my parents' favorite. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to pretend like I don't know that. But, uh, but yeah, um, I think that they've really, I mean, I, my mother told me this, I think when she sent me off to college, I didn't want to go to a four-year university, but she made me, she was just like, in you rest all my dreams and hopes. And I was like, holy cow. Wow. That's yeah. A lot. I know. I know. So she wanted me to live her life through her. I don't, I didn't even know what that meant. I just know that it was made me very uncomfortable. And so. Um, so yes, my siblings are very jealous that I'm the only one that went to a four-year university. Not jealous, what should I say? Yeah, jealous probably, but mm-hmm. resentful. I don't know the word, but it's it's kind of like, yeah, you're the youngest, and you you got all the you all got all the goods. You know, I didn't get as strict rules as my siblings had. You know, as far as going out and making friends and stuff. Because uh, well, I feel like after like number four or five, your parents are probably like, it'll be fine. Exactly. It'll be fine. It's going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm curious about the, the education question, like the formal education question. Yeah. Um, and, and having gone to a, a four year, a four year college where um, your, your siblings maybe didn't get that opportunity in the way that you did mm-hmm. um, and how that affected like the, the family dynamic, how that affected like their perception of you as being part of them, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and well, again, I think as being the youngest, I think by the time I was in college, they they had already made, you know what I mean? They already had their own lives. They already had their own paths. Um, so, 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 and, and um, I think sort of the chasm or the rift or whatever ha- had already begun because I remember distinctly having a conversation with my mother when I was going to school and she was all mad at me. She's like, why are you using all these big words? And I'm like, mom, I, th- that was two syllables in that word I just used. It's like, I, you know, so it, it's sort of like, I felt like in her head, she was saying that I was changing and maybe I was changing, but it was sort of like, that was the whole point of me coming here. Right. And, you know, it's like, you wanted me to have this, you know, sort this piece of paper that says that I'm, you know, that I'm something, <laughs> what, you know, I don't, I don't think she, I don't think, I don't think she really understood. She didn't understand the logistics of it. Like the financial aid and all that crap. I had to do all of that. Cause she forms and stuff. It's like, she, it's not her thing. Um, and I think she, I think she, in her head, she just like, you know, come to this country, get an education, you get a good job, you know? But it was, I told her, I was like, mom, it's going to be a waste of your money. I, ha- I, we've lived in the same stupid little town for 17 years. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what I want to study. It's like, seriously, you're going to, you know, bust your hump sending me to this private college is stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I said to her, I was like, well, I'll apply to one university and if I get in, I will go. But if I don't get in, I'm not going. I'm going to community college like everybody else did. You know, it's like, and dag nabbit, I got accepted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most depressed I've ever heard anybody about an acceptance letter. Dang it. <laughs> they said yes. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, can we, can we talk about language a little bit and yeah. specifically like l- being a person who speaks at least two, I don't know, possibly yeah. more languages too. Well, <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing, Rebecca, I mean, as a kid growing up and most immigrant kids, I'm sure do this, there's their parents will speak to them in their, you know, origin language. And then the kids will reply in English. So my Spanish was not that great. It wasn't in, until I came out and I was dating another Latina and she was kind of like, your Spanish sucks, you know? And so I was sort of motivated. Thanks, I, like, I gotta, I gotta learn this, you know, and I didn't know how to dance, like, like dancing that cultural dance, like salsa or whatever the hell my parents were dancing. That was like, Ooh, no, that's not cool. I gotta, you know, so I didn't like embrace my culture really until I was in my twenties, at least probably thirties. Um, so, so language, I mean, it, it's like, it, it comes full circle, I guess. I guess maybe I was pretending to be white or wanting to be white or want, you know, whatever. That was my expression of being, you know, an American, uh, you know, is, and like I said, like in California, there's all these terrible laws about, you know, just really legalized discrimination towards people with an accent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and. And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as a kid, I'm not going to beat myself up about that, right? Because it's like, you're going to, you're just trying to fit in. You don't want to be different or it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, but, uh, but yeah, language and culture and all that stuff. I didn't come full around until I was 
fully grown probably, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so yeah. And then like the whole bilingual thing, like you get paid more. It's like, that was certainly, I mean, I just, I don't want to say like, it was only for a relationship. It was, I mean, it was also economic, right? So it's like, you get paid more if you, if you are bilingual certified or whatever. Um, so I, I, I certainly, again, that was certainly a thing was like the, the man or the structure of it was telling me, oh yeah, but we do value your cultural difference because we're going to pay you more if you speak that language, you know? And, um, I, I, oh my God, I got all kind of messed up. I don't know if this ever happened to you, Corey, but like auditioning to be a Mexican and it's like, I'm, you know, it's like, oh, you talk too white. Can't you like put on an accent or something? And I'm like, oh my God, that feels, I'm so like confused about that. Like, should I be offended? I think I'm offended by that, you know? And so, yeah, it was, yeah, the whole identity of around language and, and accents and cultural and all that. Yeah. I, um, I have almost no connection. Like I have a last name that's Rivera. Um, which, which is about the extent of my connection with my heritage. So I grew up in the middle of Michigan and I live in the middle of Michigan. And I went to a school that was actually really diverse, which was nice. Um, but no particular connection. And like the first time I really felt discriminated against was in high school. And I was um, in choir and there was a lovely girl who's Mexican in choir. And we were the only two like, ethnic people, I guess, in that category. And um, our rather racist choir teacher um, <laughs> would mix us up all the time, like all the time, like all the time. He could not tell the difference between us. Oh, could not goodness. tell. Wow. Um, mm. Just amazing. Amazing. And like, at the time I was like, whatever, you're stupid. And then like later and I got into college and I was like, no, that's really not okay. <laughs> like, it's up. real not okay. And it wasn't like there was 20 people in the class. Like it wasn't even a big class. Yeah. Wow. But that's funny, but it took you like a couple of four or five years to figure it out. <laughs> to like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be like, wait, wait, no, no, that's no, yeah. that's wrong. Yeah. Didn't, didn't think about it. So, yeah, I know about the sort of missing out part of that whole thing. And then people look at you and they're like, do something Hispanic. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> do something Hispanic. <laughs> What does that even mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I I don't know. I I have a friend who's um Taiwanese and um when I was reading Cast there's a really a really interesting discussion about ethnicity and like um where you fall in the hierarchy and why people try and like suss out who you are and what you are and where your family's from and like so they know where you fit. And he's Taiwanese. I have a last name Rivera and we both decided to tell people that we were Swedish from now on just to see what they would do. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so now I'm curious, how's that working? I, nobody's asked it because I don't leave my house anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not a big deal, but like, I'm waiting for the day when someone's like, oh, well, where are you from? And I'll be like, oh, my family's Swedish <laughs> and just not, not give them anything else and see what happens. Ay, ay, ay. Oh my God. Well, for, I mean, from that, I, I I, I wonder if there's times for, for both, for all of us that you like pull out certain aspects of your identity in order to either fit in or to put someone off or to, you know, to create a benefit <laughs> for yourself. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, for me, it's, it's all about, um, you know, forming a connection and making, making like, you know, making people feel at ease, mm -hmm. you know, cause <clears throat> being in a hospital or being gravely ill, it's not a comfortable place to be. So why, why am I going to make you more uncomfortable? You know, here, put on this gown that has a crack in the back and we'll have a conversation, you know, and, and same with, I guess, with massage therapy, it's like, uh, you're undressed and I'm fully dressed. And, you know, it's like, it's good to, it's a good, it's a good skill to have, I think, to put people at ease and to, you know, try and try and find some, some common ground for sure. Um, but I do, I remember, um, I remember I was flight attendant and I needed what? to be very closeted. Yeah. Uh, as a flight attendant, I need to be very closeted. I don't remember why I, I'm wondering if I could have been fired for that. I don't remember. I think maybe mm -hmm. so. Oh, wow. um, but anyways, I, we got whatever, you know, the planes weren't weren't going where they're supposed to be going. So we had to take a bus to another airport, blah, blah, blah. And I saw this lesbian couple with this sweet little kid. And I thought, oh, that's so, oh my gosh, that must be so hard, you know, traveling and this big thing. And so I was trying to like have a common ground with them, but I didn't know how to do it. You know, they weren't, I was very, they put up a wall. It's like, oh, you're in the uniform and you're the, you know, why are you trying to be nice to us kind of thing? <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I was just like, oh, I guess I'm not, you know, I didn't make it into the gay club or whatever. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But <clears throat> that was, that was one time I do remember like trying to, you know, form a bond and it did not go over well for yeah. whatever reasons. You know? Yeah. That's so interesting because it's not like you can like lean in and be like, I'm a lesbian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On the crowded bus. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of creepy too. Like a wink. Yeah. I know. This is cool. You know, it's like not like there's a hand signal or yeah. signal. Sign language. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what else is out there? What else do you want to tell us, Gabby? <clears throat> oh my God. <laughs> my life, right? Yeah. No, I mean, oh. I wanted to talk about like just <clears throat> identity within, like we sort of talked about it. You asked me about like finding other Mexicans or being around other Mexicans on the East Coast, which is kind of hard, it was harder to do in the 90s. It's probably easier to do now. But also like within within that culture. And I, you know, I've been listening to different things and it's sort of like, I th oh, what's the name of her show? Somebody has like, anything for Selena or something like that. So like, there's like these young generation Mexicans is like, yeah, I don't, I don't speak Spanish, you know, but I love Selena kind of thing. Doesn't, how does that make me less of Mexican that I don't know Spanish, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, it's still, it's still, she's still feeling, you know, she's still feeling that culture and I've never listened to the show. So I'm, I might be getting that wrong, but that was pretty much what I, what I sort of gleaned from it and sort of, you know, even with, with the gay thing too, it's like, how do you prove your, the gay card or whatever. It's like, how do you prove you're Mexican enough? And um, so my, I have a niece, well, several nieces uh, who are biracial. And that, and that whole thing is just like, well, you're not black enough because you're Mexican or you're not Mexican enough because you're black. And the whole, like, even within these um, uh, subcultures, it's like, you're not enough or you kind of have to, I don't know, figure it out. I don't know, like, like be okay with it yourself. The whole, like, I know who I am. And so other people are seeing you as something and, you know, it may be accurate, it may not be accurate, but the whole, 
the whole coming to terms of like, well, the, this is who I am though, you know? So I'm sorry, you're not letting me in your club, but yes, I am black and I am Mexican and I am, you know, all these things. So it, it, it can, it can get hurtful and it's, you know, it's painful growing up and just trying to figure it all out and just like, wait, why, why are they not letting me in, you know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, so the whole, whole thing, um, you know, back to the code switching of like finding someone that, that does have that common energy, that common ground that it's like, Hey, yeah, man, I see you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. How does that affect, like when you are seeking care for yourself, right? And, I and never do, by the way. No, just kidding. <laughs> Take care of yourself. What is that? I don't know her. You just said you went on vacation. <laughs> All right. Funny. I'm sorry, Rebecca. What was your no, question? That's okay. That's okay. But when you're seeking care for yourself, um, how does this, how does this factor in? Like, are, are, are there certain, um, practitioners who you automatically feel more comfortable with because they share an aspect of your identity, whether it's gender or, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I would never feel comfortable with a male OBGYN. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I had to this, we, oh, he was terrible. He was so awful. Anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely with healthcare in that way. And, um, Back before I got my grown-up job, I would go to like clinics and thankfully they were Spanish speaking, you know, so that definitely made me more comfortable, um, you know, just seeing your people in the waiting room and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess so. I, I definitely, and I, and I can't tell you, I can't put my finger on it, but you know, when you shop for a doctor, when you shop for a therapist, like I'm, I found a therapist and sometimes I, I don't know if other people experience this, but like, you're putting it out to the universe and you're like looking and looking. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're vibing with someone. You're like, oh my God, this is totally the right person. You know, I found this therapist who like part of her training, um, I guess in social work school or whatever, they, they had like an end of life component, you know? And I was just like, all right on. Yeah. We're going to, you know, if that ever comes up or, I'm sure it's part of who I am and how I care myself. If, if any of those things, you know, are, are become so apparent that she, she's going to be able to see me, do you know what I mean? So, so for sure, for sure. Oh yeah. And so I don't know how much of it is, um, like picking someone from your culture, but definitely, you know, the whole, like who has your values, who can see you for who you are for sure. I guess that's kind of harder in a, in a, like a medical setting. I, and. I don't, I don't, like I said, I didn't grow up with healthcare. Like the first time I had healthcare, I was like 23, I think. And I told the dentist, like, I've never been to the dentist in my life. So sorry in advance, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't go to the doctor that often. I go to an acupuncturist. I go to body workers. I go to, I go to that kind of healing people. So I think inherently it's like, yeah, we talk the same talk. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that that um, that you could put your finger on or, or um, talk about that is like an automatic? Oh no, this person isn't for me. I think 
I'm I'm digging back and I don't even know what the memory is from, but is this wrong? I mean, I think when people take themselves too seriously or when they're too sterile or they're too clinician-y, I don't know if that's a word, you know, I, I, I like it when people present themselves as people, you know, I feel like, and I dated a doctor. I think sometimes doctors just get too full of themselves, you know, and it's like, yeah, I know. I mean, and I'm respectful. Like when I, when I worked in the hospital and I was meeting doctors, I was just like, I'm going to call you Dr. Blah, blah, blah. When they're like, no, no, just call me, you know, Mary or whatever. I'm like, no, you like freaking went to school. And it's like, I, I I've seen this. It's not easy what you went through to become a doctor. So I'm going to call you doctor. And I'm, I'm telling you that I, I have respect for doctors and it's a freaking hard job, but I'm also saying that sometimes they can be really arrogant and like too full of themselves and not open, not, not, and I, and and maybe they're taught that in medical school, medical school. I don't know. It's like they they're not open to the humanness of who they are, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would say that some of them come in that way. <laughs> they went to medical school that way, Corey. Have, have, you know no, they like the the class I was in was two hundred people, I think, and like there were definitely people that were already there, like already well set into that brain space. And I don't think that there was anything that was going to get them out of it. It was only going to reinforce. Yeah. 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 True. I, yeah, I, I dated this woman. Um, she, I I used to joke that she has a superiority uh, complex. (laughs) Oh my God. So I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but the, the way she would break up with me and I didn't know two years later how she broke up with everybody was you are not intellectually stimulating enough for me. Oh, oh for- what? Yeah, that Come was the line. Instead of, instead of the, it's not you, it's me. Hers was like, oh, you're not intellectually stimulating enough for me. Come we have on. to play <laughs> In the first episode, we were talking about academia and like <laughs> academic code switching and people oh. getting stuck in what's expected. And wow. Wow. I can't believe yes. she said that out loud to everybody. Wow. Yeah. That, wow. That was, that was her breakup line. Well, yeah. I hope she with friends too. Like, oh, we, it was it was it worked for a while, my friend. But like, you're boring. <laughs> my just, brain needs more. Go read a book, anyway. Uh, well, yeah, was hilarious. I, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. I, I think that sometimes. I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah, I don't know what I was like. The doctors sometimes get in that space of like, yeah, you know, too good for other humans. Yes, I'm very important. I know you are. Uh, I know you are, I've and I read other books. <laughs> <laughs> I know big words. <laughs> I know big words. No, and it's true. They do, they are. They are very good at like diagnosing and like, yes, yes, thank you for thank you for being a doctor because we're probably gonna have a shortage because we're you know working them to death too. But you know, it's like, yeah. Uh so back to the original question of like, are there people that I wouldn't go to? It's just like, yeah, I need somebody a little more human, you know, that yeah. can show me their human side, or at least I could see their human side. And it's not like, and I, I, there's a time and a place for that. Right. Cause if you come at me all clinical, because I'm like bleeding to death, of course I want you to be clinical, you know, but then it's like the whole, like when, when there's time to be compassionate and show me your human side, I would really love to see that. So, you know, code switching (laughs) more or less. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's interesting too, right? Because it, it all speaks to the, like, the amount of formal schooling you've had, the amount of training you've had, the number of big words, you know, um, 
doesn't necessarily have to hinder your ability to, as you said earlier, to see someone, um, like really see who they are yep. and, um, and take that in and have that inform um, mm -hmm. your relationship. And yeah, I, I wonder if there's a way in which um, you were talking earlier about um, your mom's reaction to, to you when you were in your four-year university. And um, I wonder if there's a way in which there's a fear um, or that's a fear response to like, this is, uh, I have a question, I will get to it. Um, <laughs> that that um, formal education can remove you from the ability to see. And I wonder if that was part of your um, your mom's response to you. Not that you weren't seeing her, but that she was afraid that you wouldn't. Frankly, Rebecca, I think that she was afraid that I would I would see the parts that she didn't want me to see. Oh. You know, that were vulnerable oh. to her. You know, she didn't want it. See, I, and I, I have no, this is just my guts talking here. Yeah. Um, I feel like, Oh, oh my gosh, she's turning into the people who look down on me kind of thing. You oh, know? wow. Um, That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I don't want to say it's kind of true, but I mean, I, not looking down on her, but again, like, it, 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 like becoming my own person, forming my own opinions, my own ideas about things like going, oh, you know what? I don't think Catholicism is all that, you know, kind of turn like turning into someone that she didn't know anymore like like it, it's that whole and I don't think I ever learned to do this and I, I really love this when I see um adult children like able to be adults with their parents because so many times at least for me I I never felt like I could be an adult with my mom like this is what I think and that's what you think and I think that we should be okay with that I, I always felt like the child part is like oh gosh I, whenever I go home I have to agree with everything she says and I have to go to mass with her even though I haven't gone and like you know what I mean like that that whole thing um and uh so so we never from my point of view we never had a conversation about um how many ways that I don't agree with the Catholic church on this teaching or that, you know what I mean? I kind of waited for her to tell me and I was very surprised of some of her, of her evolution in thoughts of, you know, theology or whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's again, the like stepping back, I'm not being direct. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what you say. I'm not going to tell you that because if I were to say something to her directly, it would be like, oh yeah, she totally doesn't believe this. And maybe that's, that's, that's wrong of me. I should have just said it. And like, let her tell me like, oh yeah, you do have a point. I've never thought about it that way. Or like, oh my gosh, you know, you're the devil now or something. I don't know. I don't know. But I never, um, I never gave her that opportunity to disagree or have a discussion or, you know, see things from a, a different point of view. Yeah. You know, I, I think from my point of view, I was treating her with kid gloves. I was like, I know your religion is so important to you. And this is what has like sustained you through so much I don't want to like take that away yeah you know like if she changed her mind about Catholicism what would she have right. you know 
that's, I mean, that speaks to me as a, as you seeing her, right? And having that be part of your compassion um, for her. And it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When we alter, adjust the way that we present and the way that we communicate, like you did with your mom, how often that can be an act of real love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think a lot of times things like code switching or, you know, uh, adjusting whatever language you want to use around that is, um, is seen as a quote unquote bad thing. Um, or as, uh, like we were talking about last week, it, it is possibly disingenuous, but it can be a real act of love, I think. Yeah. I think it's also, so part of code switching is like being comfortable in who you are, but also being comfortable in your situation, right? And one of those things often trumps the other, mm -hmm. I feel like. And with family, and especially being a kid, like all of your development depends on the people around you and they're all around you for so long and then you leave. And it's not that you stop developing because you certainly don't. <laughs> um, you just, I mean, you keep going, but they don't see that development or see what you're doing every day or see what you're learning every day, especially if you're in that like college setting and having information stuffed into your head every day. Um, so then you go home and it's like, you changed, but nothing else did. And that code comes back of yeah. your, your tiny self. Because <laughs> it's a lot to explain to people how you've changed that much. Well, and I don't, I don't, I don't know that we noticed that we changed. Do you know what I mean? Unless, mm -hmm. uh, and like you said, unless you go back home and you're like, oh yeah, I feel different around here. Or I, you know. There are parts of myself that don't feel as comfortable anymore, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, that's the, I think that's, because in the school, you know, stuffing your brain full of stuff, it, it's like, it, it, it overwhelms you and you don't really notice, right? <laughs> so for sure, for sure. And I feel like you go home and you're like that thing that we used to believe. Now you believe, and I'm not sure that I do. Right. Yeah. But clearly yeah. it's still important to you. So I'm going to let that sit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember in college, I first saw, I'm going to call it the communist club. Cause I have no idea, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> they would come on campus and they want, you know, they wanted you to read like the communist newspaper. And I was like, I remember looking at like my other Catholic, because I went to a Catholic university, like the other Catholic girls, like, we're not supposed to touch that, right? You know, <laughs> we're at a protest or something, because of course they wouldn't be on our campus. But I just remember thinking, this is bad, right? We're not supposed to even touch that because we're like, communism right? bad, right? Communism bad. I would grew up with that. No, no, it's, you know. <laughs> so, um, and then like a couple of months later, I was just like, oh, I can form my own opinion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there's no one actually to tell me not to touch the paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I did a semester abroad in England and there was no Catholic church. I mean, there was Anglican churches, but mm -hmm. that, that was the actual first time where I didn't go to mass for an extended um, period of time was that those three months when I was in England. 
Um, so again, that was like such an eye opener of like other people's beliefs, you know, and that they, I was like, oh, these seem pretty good, pe- like pretty cool people. I'm like, they're, they're communists, huh? Imagine that. So <laughs> they read a mean pamphlet. <laughs> they write a mean pamphlet. <laughs> it do indeed wow i'm i have i have a question yes i'm I'm curious about the lesbians on the airplane bus um and (laughs) (laughs) since you're not in the closet anymore like is there a code now like would you have done something different would you have been like oh i know other than whispering i'm a lesbian like right i think i think that i think the times are changing thankfully you know thank god Mm. because um, back then, back when I was a flight attendant, uh, you know, we had we had to wait. We had regulation makeup, so you had regulation hair, regulation makeup. Oh. If you were in your oh. your uniform included the makeup you were wearing, the way your hair was styled, and um, I feel like there's another component to that. Oh yes, the weight thing. You had to weigh in. You had to weigh oh. a certain amount. You can't see me, but my jaw's on the floor. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to do weigh-ins and they in your probationary period they could fire you if you went over if you went literally overweight. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my point being that the, the times thankfully have changed and uh, I'm thinking that's illegal now. They can't do that, <laughs> but um and so I would be freer to wear my um my lesbianness whatever um that you know, I would have worn like a little lambda earring or something. I don't know. <laughs> But that would Some be kind. totally non-regulation. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would probably be able to to give little cues by then, you know. And, and in the world we live today, it's not a big deal. You could just say, you know, whatever. Be yeah. more forthright. Yeah. You could just say out loud, I'm a lesbian, <laughs> rather than having to whisper it in their ear. Boy. Um, hmm. I guess, yeah, yeah. Lesbianic. She's like, oh, so did you, um, but you know, did you see right? that episode? You can't even say that. <laughs> She's off the air now or whatever. You know, how about that last episode of the OR? Did you guys see that? You know, and why are you still watching and how's it going? <laughs> right. Well, we, we always like to offer our guests here um, final thoughts, things that they want to make sure that people walk away with this podcast sort of thinking about or holding um, or being made uncomfortable by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I feel like, well, yeah. So, so these are just thoughts. Um, the whole, I feel like <laughs> having just reviewed all this with you all that my, my youth has, has been spent hiding parts of who I am so I could be employed or so I could fit in or whatever, make friends. Um, and I think, I think the older I get, uh, it's the, it's the being seen part that's most important to me. So um, it's kind of funny how that goes, how that goes full circle. And, um, and the whole like end of life, like 
death marchers club kind of thing of you know death a lot of times isn't just like leaving our meat suits but it's also like the small things that we lose and so um as i get older like the aging parts you know the the parts that don't look as they used to the things that you know whole like menopause and perimenopause and all that stuff you know it's it's that stuff is um those changes are more glaring you know and so i guess i'm noticing them more and so i feel like the ch- that's sort of like my new challenge like the i guess the old challenge was like the hiding and like okay i want to be seen now kind of thing and being frustrated that people don't see the parts that are so obvious to me <laughs> um but also the the new challenge is like the accepting of of these changes and um just kind of noticing how i'm dealing with that you know yeah cuz cuz the whole the whole advertising gets to me too it's like maybe i should get some plastic surgery <laughs> these wrinkles you know whatever i don't know i mean those fleeting moments cuz obviously i i i'm that's i don't like medical stuff like yeah. that. i certainly wouldn't do that but anyways yeah i guess those are just if that's code switching i don't know or more like just uh intersectionality and like figuring out all our different bits and parts and how they um present in ourselves and in the real world yeah yeah thank you and, yeah. and thank you thank you for bringing death into it all because it's always there <laughs> it is and um i want to say august is make a will month so uh you know if you haven't got one and you're over 18, you know, you should maybe think about that. I remember somebody brought that to my attention when I was like 20 and I was like, you're crazy. I'm not going to think about that. Uh, but yeah, so you should think about that. <laughs> um, great. Well, Corey, any, any thoughts? Make a will. Make a will. <laughs> That's all I got. Make a will. See people. Open up your heart. <laughs> look, look for people, maybe. Yeah. Look for people. Look for people. Yeah. And don't forget, you know, we're, we're not here forever. It's, it's true. You know, we, we know how this ends. <laughs> yeah. I read the last page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <you read> the- <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I think that's a beautiful um, spot to wrap up on. Um, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Gabby, sure. and thank you for, for sharing so much. Um with us, with the listeners of the podcast, everyone listening, thank you for being here for season eight of Interdisciplinary. We are trucking ahead. Um, again, if you have any questions, feedback, um, suggestions for this season or any future seasons of Interdisciplinary, you can email us at podcast at healwell.org. If you loved our guests and who wouldn't, um, you can, <laughs> you might even get a chance to, to interact with her if you join the Heal Well community, right, Corey? Right. <laughs> Gabby's very chippy. <laughs> and that is community.healwell.org, where we are also continuing this conversation um, and a lot of other good conversations around caring for other human beings. So, everyone, thank you for listening.
Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. New episodes are available weekly through your favorite podcast outlet. Uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at healwell.org. That's podcast at healwell.org. Thanks for listening.